So when I look at a business and I try to figure out whether it's our business or one I'm coaching and try to figure out like, how do we scale this thing is I'm always looking for what, what the formula is. How do you market? How do you get leads? How do you close on those leads? Does it require you as the owner to close on the leads or you can build a sales team around closing on those leads? What's your closing rate going to be on those leads? Can we scale that and take that and replicate that amongst from a city to a different city, from a state to a different state? And if you have a formula on how you can find business, and I know some people will disagree with me, but if I have a formula on how I can find business, I will figure out how to produce that business. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening and sharing this with your siblings who need to know about different careers out there and how to attain them. We've got a great show for you today. We've got a movie maker, a charity founder, an executive coach, an 11-time entrepreneur. Jason Reed is with us. He's going to talk about going from being a total slacker in high school or college to a semi-famous leader by making things happen. He's going to talk about relationships a lot being the foundation of business and excellence. And he's going to walk you through how to start, expand, and choose partners in the business. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Well, Jerry, thank you so much for taking time away from making movies, making music, running a charity running a giant construction company, overseeing the company that I'm partners with you in to share your wisdom on the edge of excellence today. Thanks, Matt. I've been wondering when you're going to ask me to be on the show. <laughs> I actually have asked you a few times, and I think you keep deleting my email. But thank you for finally that answering and making it. That's probably it, actually. <laughs> I think that probably is it. All right, we're going to start off the way. With, well, the show's going to be a little different today. We're going to get into some crazy stuff with Jay, but we're going to start off the same way we always start off. Jason Reed, what is your definition of excellence? My definition of excellence is actually a rather simple one. It's based around the quality of the relationships you have in your life. If you have high quality relationships in your life where people like you and trust you and that your integrity is intact, then excellence will follow. I've heard lots of different things. It's about the process, not the outcome, achieving in a bunch of different areas, being able to be great at home and at work. Yours is totally different. So it's not about the achievement. It's not about the numbers. It's not about the trophies. It's not about the end. It's about the circle around you. And if you've got trust, integrity, um, you've done a great job. If you've got that circle at work, if you've got that circle in the community, if you've got that circle in your personal life, that's a reflection of your excellence. Did I get it right? That's pretty much it. Okay. Well, that's actually interesting that that's how you started off because we're going to spend a lot of time today talking about building relationships and finding the right people to do business with and all the stuff our listeners want to hear about. But before we get there, we're going to go way back to Sudbury, Canada, to the, I think the dinosaur age. 
And I want to know back then, and I and I know the answer to this story, but I want to hear you say it again. Were you on the path to excellence? Were you crushing it? Were you getting ahead and separating yourself in high school in your early years of college? Well, in Sudbury, I kind of left there when I was seven. So I think I was I was the peak of excellence at seven years old in Sudbury. Well, I, when really, I, moved I haven't, around I haven't really a whole been bunch paying, of time. I haven't been paying attention to your uh, life story for the last thirty years that we've been visiting. So I thought you lived in Sudbury until you went to college. Four. Four years, maybe we've known each other. Who's, who's counting? Who's counting? <laughs> no, look, buddy. I mean, look at it, it's. It's um. Yeah, because why would I talk about when I was seven? But yeah, I was born in Sudbury. I lived it. But when you take a look at my life in Canada before I moved down to the states, up until I got into college at age seven, eighteen, or whatever it was, nineteen, whatever, nineteen. I I I was a slacker. I was a total slacker. I mean, I was the guy who. I had a summer job, but if you asked me to work overtime, I'd say no, right? Because I want to go hit the golf course and drink with my buddies. I didn't have a purpose. I didn't have a lot of things I wanted to go do. I, I didn't, I don't think I actually realized my work ethic until I got to college, started working in a bar, managing a bar. I did college work. So I think that's what really taught me, you know, how I can go out there and make things happen. And when I made things happen, I can make more money than just having a job. I think that was one of the most important lessons I got of that. But once I got this sense of responsibility and I could manage either the bar on campus or in, in, in the college work days, man, that, that I just took hold of that and wanted to be my own boss forever, I think is what really happened. But yeah, in the early days, man, I'd be this, I was the opposite of who I am now. I would sleep until 10 or noon every t- chance I got, and now I'm up at 4 or 5 in the morning. So it's a whole different world. And I, and I, and I knew that, and I'm glad to have you on. I have had a few people on that didn't ever graduate from college. You went to college and didn't graduate, right? Oh, I barely made it through. I, I think uh, Spencer, our partner Spencer, pulled up my GPA for fun one day. I think it was a point seven. Okay. After two and a half years. Yeah. So I, I like that story. That you're in the car right now and you blew it in high school and you screwed off. I'm not going to say it's not your fault because that's not what we're talking about. I am going to say that you can change that. So Jay, you're in high school. You're a slacker. All you want to do is play golf and drink with your buddies. And you said I had no purpose, and that's interesting. Then you get to college, you're managing a bar, and you said, I realized if I can make things happen, I'll make money. And you found the college works thing, and you're dependent on making things happen. You're running your own business. You're out there. I mean, we're, we're helping you. You've got guidance. You've got support. But if you sleep in, you hit the snooze, you, you wake up at 11 and go golfing and drink with your buddies that day instead of working, you know, you're going to pay the price. So you realize, I got no purpose. If I work hard, I make money, and I if I make things happen, I make money, and I think something else happened in your life. You realize if I make things happen, not only do I make money, but I have freedom. I have achievement and freedom. And so, you think that started at you know in the bar and then college work? Oh, I think there was there was that, and then there's also you go back to how I define excellence. I realized that I had a lot better life surrounded by people who I wanted to do things with, and we were all rowing in the same direction and make a difference together and doing things as simple as making a you know a great night at a bar where we have you know 500 people showing up for at a venue for an event and making sure that night goes off flawlessly and there's 35 people on staff that night and we're all working together as a team that was fun those were relationships that mattered the relationships i had with my painters at, at college works so, you know, i had a great team of guys that um just went on to, you know, I think nine or 11 of the, I think 11, 11 of my people went on to manage the year after I, I managed because, and that, that was one of the things I'm super proud of in my life 
is that of my team of 15 painters, 11 of them became branch managers the following year. And that was like, wow. That was like, um, I'm, I'm sure other people have done that. But I mean, that was to me like that. It wasn't about all the money I made. It's like, I must have made some impact on these people's lives that they said, we want to go do what Jay did. Yeah, because if you've got those circles around you at the bar of people that trust you, you trust that you have a relationship based on integrity, love, and support, and you're rowing in the same direction, you start to develop a real bond. Then you take that circle to these skills that you develop. You're a slacker, but you realize that makes things happen. I'm going to get some money. I'm going to get freedom. You start to realize that the circle around me is kind of the measure of who I am, and you carry that into your business. And I think it's interesting to finish your story. You go off and you run this stupid painting company. You probably had, if you had 11 painters that managed, you probably only had 12 painters. You're slinging paint jobs and knocking on doors and hiring people and firing people, but you probably didn't have to fire that many people. And I think a measurement of success of a leader is what the next leader do after you and what happens to your team. So 11 people that are just in houses, all of a sudden are running businesses and bringing in probably over a million dollars of revenue between them. And those 11 painters, some of them I know. And, you know, you and I didn't know each other in high school. You and I didn't know each other in college. I didn't meet you till I remember the moment I met you. I was wearing a borrowed suit. The pants and the jacket didn't match. We're outside in the deck at UC Santa Barbara, overlooking that disgusting lake there. Great school, horrible lake. Um, and I've met some of your painters. And I've had some of your painters on my podcast. Wasn't John Hepworth one of your painters? Well, John, you know, John was, uh, gosh, I think John was, was John Hepworth painter. one of your painters? I'm not sure. He wasn't one of my painters, but he was painting, I think, before he managed, for sure. Is when I was DMing him. I think he was, maybe he was one of Jamie's painters. Who was yeah, one well, of your painters. Jamie, yeah, I managed, yeah, I was DMing Jamie. So there's, I mean, look at the lineage. I think one of the coolest things about college works is the, is the lineage of all the people you can look to and say, wow, I met that person when they, when they were a painter, when they were a manager. I'll give you a quick story, Matt. Andy Annabel was a manager when I came to California, when I, you know, I think a year before you and I met, I was DMing Andy Annabel. And Andy, and I, so this was 33 years ago. And Andy was a, became a great friend. And he would go sell a bunch of work during the week so we could hang out on weekends. And, you know, so Andy was a manager 33 years ago. And he would he was managing. I was his DM. And I love the guy. He's, he's still a great friend now. And here's the interesting story. So here we go, 33 years later, and this was last year. Andy's son is an engineer looking for a job. And Andy goes, hey, I think he'd be a great sales guy. And would you think about hiring him? So we interviewed him through the process. He's now a sales guy for San Diego for Empire. Great guy. And we were at, I had the whole San Diego team up in my other house uh, the last couple of days. And we're sitting around the dinner table. And Devin says to me, he said, Jay, why did you change your headset in the middle of this interview? I said, well, because, you know, we had a tattoo issue. <laughs> but what he really said to me was, Jay, my dad always says that, you know, it's amazing. All the stuff I learned in my, in my couple of years of college, which were the most important stuff I learned about business. And it's really fun to hear that 33 years later from somebody's son. Yeah, yeah from somebody's son. That's awesome. And so uh, you're focused on the quality of your relationships. You're making things happen. Um, you're fi finding some financial success. I know you made a bunch of money in college as a manager of a bartender, which sounds like a great job. Even better when you're running your own business with multiple crews spread out all over the place. 
all your people are sticking around because you're realizing what culture is, and culture has a lot to do. You hear about culture in the news, you're listening right now, what is culture? Culture is rooted in the quality of relationships, trust, integrity, love, support, that Jay's talking about. And your path was uh, manager, district manager, and all of a sudden, the guy you works for wants to expand the business down to the United States. So you move down to California with one of your, or one or two of the people that you have these strong relationships with, and you start all over. So let's just talk about, you know, the process of going from, you know, employee kind of running your own business uh, at CollegeWorks to, you know, being uh, one of the leaders before you were one of the owners. Let's talk about the process of having the confidence to move down to California. Because someone listening right now wants to move to start a business or is being lured somewhere and needs to know, what did you consider before you jumped in the car and drove across the country or two countries? Well, I was 21. About to get kicked out of college anyway. It was winter time, heading into the winter time in Toronto, in, in Peterborough. And the opportunity came up to go work for Mark Moses and Helmut Beeman in California. And back then it was much easier to get a visa than it is now. And I said, so, okay, I'll go to California. So I would love to tell you and everybody else that I put so much thought in this and I weighed all the ups and downs and all this kind of stuff. But I literally left, went to California, took a job and started working because it sounded like it was a warmer spot. And sometimes it is just that simple that here's a better opportunity. I thought that it was time to move on. It was just time to go try something different. Now I've been, and that's not like me because I've been in California now for 30, 33 years and married the same woman for 30 years and, and um, had the same partners and you and, and the and, and the boys for 30 years. So I'm, I'm not like that guy who just jumps off a cliff and goes, I'm going to do something different. But at that point in my life, I think I was just ready to do something different. Yeah, when you're in your 20s and you don't have debts and you don't have recurring bills and you don't have family to support, it's easy to move. And sometimes the betting is based on where you want to live. You also had an opportunity before you went down there. And a lot of times people move first find the opportunity second. That's kind of the Gen Gen uh, Z way to do it. Gen X, what we are from, we want the opportunity before we move. So you move down to California. You don't know where wh- where to live. You end up in Newport and then in Canyon Lake. And the business falls apart. Um, right after you hired me that faithful day, sitting on the balcony at UC Santa Barbara. And you had a decision to make. Do I go find another job? And by this point in time, You've generated millions in revenue. You've employed hundreds, if not thousands of people. You've got, you know, people that are off about to start or be involved in the starting of Comic-Con, people that are going to go send their businesses public, people that go to Congress and Senate that had all worked for you at CollegeWorks. And all of a sudden, there is no CollegeWorks. And I'm sure you had hundreds of job offers. I'm sure you actually literally probably at least tens of job offers. And you have to get the guts to go into business by yourself with Spencer. So what was there something that happened at the time that gave you the confidence or something you remember or something you did that just triggered the, I'm going to do it by myself and I'm going to be okay. What do you, what advice do you have for the person that's sitting there and someone saying, Hey, let's go start this on our own or their business that they're in is falling apart for whatever reason. And they want to keep doing it. What advice do you have? Well, I think it came down to like, I knew the business. So the business, the partners who owned it together had falling out and that business fell apart and went into bankruptcy. And Spencer and I are sitting there and this was August of 93. Going, what the hell are we going to do? And 
the reality is I was getting married on August 28th and I was out of a job on August 1st and out of a career on August 1st. And so we both looked at each other and said, well, what do you, what do we know how to do? Like, not that we can go get jobs, but what do we know how to do? We know how to run this business. We know how to run it well. It didn't have its challenges because of what we did. It had challenges because of other things. So what would it take for us to go start this? And then we just took the leap, right? So I went to my in-laws and said, hey, you don't know me very well, and but I'm, you know, I'm out of a job. I'm starting this business. I need to borrow $25,000. And um, yeah, there you go. And I started hitting up everybody who could get my hands out of the cash, because we need cash. And Spencer decided to, you know, just basically live on nothing. I'm not even sure how I did it back then. And we somehow put this whole thing together. And we and this comes back to relationships, right? We went back to the people who had not, the kids who had lost money um, when the company went under. And we said to them, look, why don't you come back and work with Spencer and I? And the money that you didn't get through the bankruptcy, well, you work through the summertime, that 1500 bucks or whatever the hell you didn't get from your summer's earnings, we'll give it to you. And it's not, and we don't have the money. We're going to make it out of our profits this year and say, come play with, play with us for a while. And we'll make sure you, you you get that money. So we were able literally in year one to start from scratch and do like a million two, a million five revenue and, and be profitable because of relationships. Because we went to back to people like you, Matt, this before the year before you became a partner. So and said, come work with us and stick with us. And actually, I seem to remember the bonuses I paid out. I don't remember you ever telling me that you would pay me back, but it was $2,000 in 1993. And I think when your son crashed into my car and I fixed his car up, you were going to pay me some money. So I figured you might want to bend on me about 15 grand before we're done with this. But let's go through your... And and, and I know, Matt, that you probably feel that way, which is why when we paid you that money 30 years ago, I had Tracy save it, notarize it with your signature on it, because I knew that was going to come up. It's been a while. (laughs) the The system that you outlined, and it's pretty interesting. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of this show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com slash podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. First thing you knew the business. But you're you're in a you're in a job right now and you know the job, you might be able to start a company that does what you do. If you've seen something on the internet and you want to start that company, you don't know the business. So Jay had years of experience. He had success. He was a record holder. Everything he touched, he was the best at in our business. He didn't know what he was gonna do with his life. He's moving around as he said he's a slacker, but he finds something that he's really good at and he knows it, and that's the business he started. 
if you don't know the business, it's hard to start it. So you, you need to know it or you need a partner that knows it or you have to do years of research. Number two, the Lord works in mysterious ways. There was a sign. The business fell apart right before he got married. He had to get it done. So you can look for your signs, but sometimes that, I mean, they could have crawled under a rock and said, I, I give up. This is horrible. I just lost my job. I'm not going to get married anymore. No, he kept moving and saw it as a sign. Three, he tried something. Four, he had to get money for it. And money's the key. And uh, what Jay didn't mention is one point in time, he tried to sell the business to me and Jeff. We couldn't get the money. Or Jay and I are partners with Spence and Jeff now because Jeff and I couldn't raise the money. Jay raised the money. And that's a whole different skill set. How do you raise money? And he mentioned relationships, but it's different having someone that knows you and having someone that's going to lend to you. They led to him because they knew he wasn't a slacker anymore. They knew that he wasn't a cheever. They felt like they would be paid back with interest. So you start the company, you get me on board, Jeff, a bunch of people that had actually been shorted. I was shorted a couple grand, but I loved the business. And I come in as a district manager and you know, my life changed. And then you know Mark comes back to you and says, hey, Jay, remember your definition of excellence? It's all about the quality of relationships you have in life based on trust, integrity, love, and support, why don't you come do this mortgage thing with me? And so all of a sudden, you and Spencer go into the mortgage business, um, which you know was a fun ride for you guys, uh, or fun ride for me and Jeff, because we got to work by ourselves for a little bit, but didn't work out, mortgage industry ended, and you come back to this partnership that we've now had for, uh, for many, many years, 34 years, 30 years, and things start to change in our in our business and we start to do other things. So um, I always tell entrepreneurs that as soon as they get successful, they screw it up by starting other businesses. And you and I have started many businesses. We've done a bunch of things we didn't know how to do. And it, there's a pattern in entrepreneurship. You do what Jay did. You find something you know. You find a sign. You try it out. You get the money. You work your relationships. And then as soon as you get successful, entrepreneurs will go into real estate or start other companies. And we did that. We had some that didn't work out, but we had some that did work out. So we go into business with Mike Profont, who didn't like to do the college works thing. Um, I remember we had that dinner at the Ethiopian restaurant, and we're going to go and do this HOA thing. And you and Mike kind of split off and start a whole new company. So now you've done it again. And we don't need to go through how you started that company because it's probably the same thing. You knew the business. It was the same industry. You saw a sign. Mike wanted to leave. You thought you'd try it out. You had the money from same friends and family, but now you've got banking relationships. You're working the relationships and that business starts to expand. So how do you go from one little Orange County empire business doing painting? We were only doing painting back then. Oh, I got I to flag this real quick. Jay Reed in the start of the recession realized that, before the recession started, realized that we were giving away a bunch of our business and we were a painting company, Empire Community Painting. And he decided, holy moly, there's a recession coming. What am I going to do to grow my revenue? And flips a switch and turns the company into full construction, doubling the revenue from each client, which actually saved the business uh, in the recession, maybe saved all of the businesses that we have together. So you've got the skill set of kind of seeing the future and, and pulling triggers. How do you know when to expand to another either um, service product or even geographically? Is there a process you go through? Is it just your gut? Is it back to your definition of excellence? You, is, I can't be just the right people. What do you do to know when to add a service or add a state? 
Well, I mean, the, the way I, so I, I appreciate all the comments, but this was all, this wasn't just me. This was me and Mike Profond and Aaron Boberg and Micah and Steve Holkren and all our, all our team looking at this going, what do we do? There's a, the painting market's this big, but how do we get into more revenue? It's, it's conversation with you and Spence and, and Jeff and us all deciding together that we're going to go ch- take the risk and go chase something that we knew nothing about how to do. But what we knew how to do wasn't necessarily the actual getting the construction done. What we knew how to do and what Empire is based on is our marketing efforts and our, and our formula to get sales. So when I look at a business and I try to figure out whether it's our business or one I'm coaching and try to figure out like, how do we scale this thing is I'm always looking for what, what the formula is. How do you market? How do you get leads? How do you close on those leads? Does it require you as the owner to close on the leads or you can build a sales team around closing on those leads? What's your closing rate going to be on those leads? Can we scale that and take that and replicate that amongst from a city to a different city, from a state to a different state? And if you have a formula on how you can find business, and I know some people will disagree with me, but if I have a formula on how I can find business, I will figure out how to produce that business. In other words, I can always find someone in the, for example, the construction business, who knows that business better than I do, who can go ahead and do the work. And I can go hire those people and find a way to do the work and do that work profitably. The biggest challenge is can I find the work? So it doesn't matter what business I'm looking at, is can we find a formula to find leads, to sell those leads, to close that work, and create a funnel of work? Some people decide they want to go create how they're going to produce something before they actually can sell it. I'm like, I'm going to try to figure out if I can sell it first. And I'll give you one funny story about this and where I got this actual story from. One of the few classes I actually went to in college uh, was a marketing class. And the only professor I probably remember, and I only went to probably one of his classes. I probably went, should have went to more of them. And he said to me, he said to all of us, look, I started, a ma- I started a magazine. He goes, it's a really dumb idea to start a magazine. But let me tell you how I started a magazine. I went around, I had a concept for a magazine. This is back from the internet. So I printed out like two pieces of paper and said, here's what the magazine's looking for. I then went and sold back then probably $15,000 of advertising for a magazine that didn't exist. And once I sold the $15,000 of magazine, you know, marketing for the magazine that didn't exist, I decided I should have someone write some articles. So, I mean, someone, you said, you think a lot of people disagree. I, I think you're focusing on the sales piece of it. You said, you know, if I have a customer acquisition formula, I can make anything work. And I don't know about that. We had a hardware business. And well, actually, that one, we didn't have a customer acquisition formula. But you could, I, I disagree with the part about it all about the customer acquisition format. We, if we could find customers to pay $30 to go to space, um, we still can't execute on that. But what I do agree with and what I don't think anybody else can disagree with is there's a core competency that you leverage. So there's a there's a, a marketing system and a sales system that you can apply to selling the, the the exterior coatings, the same customers, the same salespeople, the same system to sell the decking and roofs and windows, and then the same to sell the interiors. So you you have this core competency of customer acquisition. Core competency of B2C marketing, training systems, quality control that you leverage by making a step uh, into a new market, say a new, a new geographical market or a new service. And it's, you know, it's just the same as Post-it, you know, the, the case study for core competency. They put sticky stuff on little squares of paper. 
and then bigger squares and then notepads. And then and it's the same sales type channels, the same marketing channels, the same everything. You've just done that with construction. And um, again, you've got your relationship. So you mentioned all these people. And I saw those people the other day. Aaron Boberg's in the office once in a while. Aaron Boberg used to be a person working in the... You, actually, Jay, I, I just realized you have a skill set here. Aaron Boberg was sitting in, in the space next to me, I think working reception phones. And next thing you know, he's a VP running a $15, $20 million construction division because you've got this quality of relationships that you're roping in with your formula for acquiring customers. So if you're listening right now and you're thinking, uh, I want to start a business, you might think about the way Jay just described it. Everybody else wants to get their business license and their paperwork and their business card and their logo and then go figure out the business. Jay figures out sales. And I've seen him do it in a lot of companies we've had together. We've had, I think, 11 companies together. Always figures out sales. If it sells, he will build it. If they come, he will build it. It's not if he builds it, they will come. If they come, he will build it. So if you're looking for a business to start, maybe try selling what you're going to sell before you spend a bunch of money on logos and design. See if that works. Because if you can sell it with nothing, if you can sell magazine ad space with no magazine, you know you can sell it when you do have a magazine. And so... And, and Matt, you're right. I mean, the concept's got to make sense, right? And that's and that's the... And I should have started there. Does the concept make sense? Can we... If I book all this work, can I produce it? Like You're right. If I go say... I'm going to sell seats to the space for $30. There's no way I can deliver on that. But if I know that I can deliver and make money at the core product or service I'm providing, then I need to figure out how I'm going to go do that. I'll always find people who can make it happen if the margin is there. The other thing is you're going to sell something. You have to make sure it has margin. right? Yeah, so when you're out there and you're going to get you know, 10, 15 points of gross margin, it doesn't work. Yeah, before we start selling stuff, we have the Excel sheet where we model it out. And it's all bullshit. Um, and, and I mean, the ones that Jay and I produce are bullshit. See the ones I see from 20-somethings. All I need to do is get 10% of the market share across the country. I'm going to make money. It's going to cost me no money to uh, um, produce this. So you start modeling and then you start testing. You model your, your uh, costs and your sales conversions and then you test it. And as you test it, you refine the model um, and then you're ready to execute. And I know we're running out of time, Jay, and I really want to get into, and we haven't even talked about Jay makes movies, Jay writes music, Jay's a metric coaching, coaches, it used to be 20 people, maybe more, maybe less. But before I get to that, what do you see in young people today? Because I know you deal with a lot of 20-somethings, and you know there's a lot of uh, layers to you know, the businesses that you run, but you run into a lot of 20-somethings. What do you see in 20-somethings that's working and not working? And some of them that work with you, you know, make hundreds of thousands of dollars instantly, and some of them fade fade away. What's working and not working in that generation right now? Uh, you know, it's it's a great question. I think that um, things have changed a little bit. I think I think what works is I I see amazing amazing people every day that are very passionate and want to work hard and want to make a difference, and and they're dedicated, and that's all ages. The thing I unfortunately see more of these days than I think I used to see is a group of people who are maybe a little entitled and believe that there's a quick, easy way to make a bunch of money. And I think that culturally, we've grown up watching a whole bunch of people get rich on the internet or rich in cryptocurrency or rich doing this or rich doing that. Whether they're rich anymore or not, I, I don't know. I just noticed that Elon Musk's stock is not exactly what it used to be. Um, but 
I think we're missing that whole, I need to hunker down, work hard and learn. And I will say that people need a mentor. People need a coach. Um, I've been very lucky to have a bunch of partners like Matt, Jeff and Spencer, Mike for years to help keep me on track. And I've paid for a whole bunch of coaches outside of these guys to make sure that I'm not making the wrong decisions. And, I, and I've and i been a part of YPO and Vistage for 25 years. I'm, I'm a huge believer in getting advice from people. If I was to say something to people who are younger anywhere, get a mentor, get a coach, get some advice, talk to your parents. If you don't trust your parents, talk to other people. Talk to as many people as you can possibly talk to about what you need to do. Get a whole bunch of advice. Build that circle around yourself of, of trusted advisors so that you, and don't just think that you're the smartest guy in the room. I think I've fallen that trap over the years where I think my stuff is the, my ideas are the smartest ideas. At 55, I realized that I have an idea and I'm going to give it to my group and my team and my advisors. And I'm going to let them decide if it's a good idea or a bad idea because um, I've lost me and us a bunch of money thinking I was the smartest guy in the room at times. Yeah. And so, it, it, and Jay is a coach. And by the way, if you're looking for a mentor or a coach, Jay can be reached at empireworks.com. You can find him on the website, empireworks.com. Just look up Jay Reed. He's always available <laughs> for me- mentoring and coaching. <laughs> oh, you do? I, th- thank you, Matt. But I think you should call my coaching days are coming to an end. But I think uh, Matt's always available. And Matt loves to take people's calls. They it's 949309039309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309309
any tips to keeping the, the plate spinning for someone in their 20s that's just getting started and maybe wants to be able to impact all these different areas that you impact? I, I don't think that anybody should do what I do. Okay. And I, what I mean by that is like, what allows me to do all the things I do in my life is that everything that Matt's talking about is, has an amazing team of people who make those things happen. So I'm, I'm, so if I was a solo entrepreneur without a team, I couldn't do all the things I get to do in my life. But because I have an amazing group of partners and people, I get to focus on what I'm great at and not what I'm not any good at. And, and therefore, it allows me to take time to do things that I want to do, and that is make people better. I mean, I, that's all I care about doing is if I want to get on the phone with the people within Empire, within NSG, within all the other companies I might coach or whatever I might do and say, okay, how do we make you better today? What, can I, what do I need to help you with? And how do I help support you? And yeah, it's, it's a busy day, right? It starts at five in the morning and ends at six or seven at night. And I work seven days a week. So I don't recommend anybody doing that. I mean, I don't recommend that you start work at six in the morning on Saturdays and Sundays for you to start work at five on, on weekdays, but I do. But I, I do it because I'm excited and passionate about all the things I do. And then what is it that makes it different? Or how do I do it? Well, I'm 100% in when I'm talking to you. So I'm... You know, talking with Matt right now, we're doing this podcast. I spent the you know the last four hours talking to a whole bunch of different people, and there I was 100% committed and focused on that one person. While I'm talking, only that person, only their issues and their stuff. When this call ends in six minutes, I'm jumping on another call. I won't think another second about what Matt and I talked about till maybe the end of the day, because I'm in the next conversation, the next issue I have to help people with, and I'm focused on that. I'm not letting my mind go to other things. I. But that's how I want to live my life. When I was younger, in my 20s, yeah, I wanted to go party at night. I wanted to go see my friends on the weekends. I want to do those things. Um, that's not part of my life anymore. Now, what is part of my life? Yeah, my daughter's coming over tonight. We're going to hang out with my, with my wife and have a nice dinner. Oh, that's all part of my life. I will say this one thing, too, but people is come back to kids. If you are in your 20s and you're watching this and you're going, yeah, I, I need a mentor, but not my dad, not my mom, not my grandpa, not my grandma. Maybe, right? But I can tell you something, guys. As as you get older, there'll become a point when you recognize that your parents have a lot of value to you. I've gone through this with my kids already now, and they've all transitioned back to wanting advice from me and calling me on a regular basis and saying, what do I do about this and what do I do about that? Because you're not as dumb as I thought you were, Dad. Um, I wish I had taken more time to get to know my grandparents, what they went through, what they did, what they what they accomplished in life, got their advice, called them on a regular basis. Even my own dad, my own dad. I never really had that relationship with my dad. I wish I probably could have. I acted like there was nothing he could have ever told me. Maybe there wasn't, but there probably was. Um, so if it helps you guys or you're thinking about it, um, they did get this far in life somehow. Maybe there's something that you can learn from them and maybe the start of a better relationship if you took the time to say, let's go have a coffee or let's go have a lunch or maybe I can put away my issues with you and how we grew up and how you, you didn't give me enough money for my next car or whatever it might be that's bothering you um, and spend a little time with your folks. You might, you might be surprised and your grandparents. And, it, and there may be some real issues for some people, but the point is maybe a good action would be to sit down and write down, not while you're driving, if you're driving right now, don't do this, but sit down and write down who those people around you are that maybe have some some sort of something to offer. So maybe it's grandparents, parents, friends, parents, 
Maybe it's your pastor. Who knows? But there's someone out there that you can pick your brain. It's funny that you say that because, you know, my dad has Alzheimer's now. And, you know, I call them whenever I can. I think I should call my parents more. I do what's called uh, uh, stacking of routines. So if, you, if you're listening, there's a time management uh, episode in one of the first 20 episodes. Um, I would add to that stacking routines. I can't remember to call my parents. So I call my dad on the way to mountain bike because I mountain bike four days a week. And then I started thinking, why am I just calling my dad who has Alzheimer's? And I have a great relationship. I've got no baggage. I picked his brain, had the mentorship, want to be exactly the same father he has. Everything's gone great up till now. But I realized, why am I just calling him? I'm not calling Jill's dad. My father-in-law, he doesn't have Alzheimer's. So I stack that relationship. So if you're driving around a lot, maybe you can stack some... Uh, uh, some, some routines on each other, call your mom, call your dad. Maybe you prepare like Jake's talking, talking about to be focused in that discussion and have some questions. But I asked Jay, how do you keep this uh, the plate spinning? And it's funny, you started with the way you start your definition of excellence. You said, I start off by just making calls to people and checking in on them. So it always starts with relationships for Jay. He started his business career with relationships. He started his expansion with relationships. He started entrepreneurship, getting money from relationships. And every day he starts spinning his plates with different calls to different people that he's building relationships. Second thing you said is focus. I heard this a couple of days ago on this college call I was on. When you're at the gym, be at the gym. When you're in the, um, when this person was a, a national champion uh, cheerleader, when you're at dance practice, you focus on dance practice. When you're at work, you focus on work. When you're talking to someone on the phone, you focus. Leave the rest alone, Jay said. And I, it's funny because that's the same with class. If you're in college right now, go to class and focus. They're telling you what to study. Um, Jay's making fun of himself. But if you're there to get a degree, you might as well add that as a focus. And I do want to say that Jay's super, super organized and planned. So we didn't just have this call. We set this call up weeks ago. And everything that he does is planned and organized because you don't run a business and run another business and have a charity. And I just want to hit some of these before I let you go, Jay. I got one more question for you. We got Empire Works. We've got obviously College Works, HG, all the national services group companies. You've got Ocala Productions. Is that ocalaproductions.com? And you go to ocalastudios.com and you can see a bunch of the stuff we've done um, there. It's actually some fun. We've done some fun content there. So we got empireworks.com, ocalastudios.com, choose.life.org. And I like to always take a, take a moment. If you're in an emergency situation, please call 911. Um, if you need to talk to someone, there's resources on your college campus. You can reach out to me directly at email, mkstewart at matthewkstewart at gmail.com. Please find help. Choose has a lot of resources. And then Jay has some TED Talks. You can just Google Jason Reed, TED Talks. Lots of spinning of plates that starts with relation, starts with organization, continues with relationship is all about focus. And one last question for you, Jay. A long time ago, you did something that at the time seemed like, why am I doing this? I'm going to, this is such a horrible sacrifice. Why would I ever make this sacrifice? I want to keep doing what I'm doing. Have fun. What was the sacrifice you made early in life that you look back and you're just so glad you made? I am actually going to say that when Mark called and said he wanted Spencer to go join the mortgage company, gave us a percentage of the mortgage company to join us. And we ended up not selling the company to you and Jeff and became partners with you and Jeff. I was young. You were young. We didn't know what was going on. I didn't know it was the right decision or wrong decision. I thought maybe this was a bad decision. The first year didn't go great for any of us. And 
Um, but you know what? It's back to those relationship things that we all work through this. I mean, I look back, I look at where we are now and the companies we built together and all and we have had our share of friggin' problems. We have failed at 15, 16 companies together. Um, we've all had a hand in each one of them or different ones, but we have an amazing partnership and an amazing friendship. And it's because we worked at it. It's because we never gave up on it. It's because we we stuck with each other. And it's because back to those relationships, and it's like there's no perfect relationship. Matt and I get on each other's nerves on a regular basis. We have for years. We still we still will. But at the core, I love Matt. I trust Matt. And I would if I was in in trouble with anything in my life, you'd go on my first phone calls. And at the end of the day, that's what you want in a partnership. That's what you want in a relationship. Is if things are falling apart, who would you call? If you had to go on a dangerous mission, who would you want to go with? Who would you know that you trust? And you know what? There's things about me that bug the crap out of Matt. There's things about Matt that bug the crap out of me. But at the core, there's nobody I'd rather be partners with. Well, thank you for saying that, Jay. We're going to end it the way we started with. It's all about relationships. It's been a great episode. Thank you for sharing your insight into being able to do all the things that you do that everybody listening wants to do. Um, I've appreciated being on the journey uh, to excellence with you. I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great weekend working. Thank you for making time. Thanks, Mike. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.